welcome back to the Game of Time podcast. This is episode number eight. Eight. Could be. Is that right? Eight. I, I, well, yeah, eight I knew this up until about four seconds ago when my brain shut down. Um, yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> this week, I'm joined by Harrison. Say hello. Hello. And by George. Say hello. Ahoy. George is a pirate this week and must speak in a pirate voice for the rest of the episode. No, I just I just made this decision to just always go with ahoy because I feel like I don't know. There's a lot of ways you could mess up hello, or at least I didn't think. Or I discovered <laughs> when we started the podcast <laughs> weird inflections that I didn't mean to put on it. It does make you sound cooler though. Like I, it would keep coming out as hello, or like I'm answering the phone, or like I'm I'm asking a question, and it's always a bit odd. So, yeah, ahoy, ahoy is true. Ahoy, my mateys. A bit more difficult to mess Did, up. Is this a fact that I've made up? But didn't they used to say ahoy when they answered the phone? I think it's what uh, Alexander Graham Originally, Bell intended yeah. people to answer with. But... Yeah. It was the original phrase, yeah. There's a, a no. fact for you guys. That's a non-video game related fact that we've just shared. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this week we're going to talk to you about... Talk to you. Talk... We're going to talk about <laughs> um, the Switch because uh, that wasn't like properly unveiled and has lots of interesting things about it. We're also going to discuss some of our favourite highlights of what things are coming out in 2017. Uh, we've all got our own individual picks of what, what we're really looking forward to. And then we're going to end on a little quiz type thing about The Witch 3 and some other chat about that. So all good things to look forward to. Uh, but we'll kick it off with the Switch. And what do you think, guys? What are your thoughts? I really like the idea. I wouldn't buy one, but I really like the idea. I, I think I'm in the same boat there. Um, I Up until the point where they said everything was going to be really expensive for all the parts of it, I was like, yeah, this is really cool. But then I sort of took a step back and reconsidered. And I was like, do I actually enjoy Nintendo games? enough to warrant me buying an entire console for it. Yeah. I don't well, think I, mean, I do. I mean, the price is probably my... due to the weakness of the pound due to a certain uh, democratic decision <laughs> yeah. made earlier in the summer. I guess I my I guess my thing is uh, we already have like the Nintendo you know, t- 2DS and the N- Nintendo 3DS so do we sort of really need the Switch and my other I guess question would be as a viewer is is there any Nintendo games that are coming out that would uh, justify a new user actually transferring to the Switch? Well, well I see the, the Switch thing of it. Sorry. Sorry, go on, George. I, I see the Switch is very much a, a console for the people that wanted a Wii U but just never got one. Because like the a lot of the announcing games are like so you've got Mario Kart Deluxe or Mario Kart Eight Deluxe or is it deluxe? If it look, it's just Mario Kart yeah, 8 with some bonus features. And Splatoon 2, uh, from what I've seen, is very much like is just very much Splatoon 1.5, but doesn't sound, doesn't sound quite as good from a marketing perspective. So it's sort of there are lots of the things that you wanted that would be on the Wii U that they kind of bring to the Switch with the kind of I mean, those added things benefit just... of needles. yeah, those things are just they just make sense to bring to the Switch like. Why wouldn't you? Sort of thing. Like this wouldn't. They're built from a, the same sort of architecture. I assume from the way Nintendo works that it was easy enough just to port them or retool them to work on the Switch. 
and the Switch is so different from a 3DS that you, if you own a 3DS, why wouldn't you buy a Switch? It's like saying, I own a Vita, why would I buy a PS4? They're, it's a completely different thing. There's the Switch is sort of being is because it's a hybrid console. It's uh, the home console and a, a portable one. But I don't know. <laughs> I I think that the, the Nintendo are sort of over egging the whole home console thing, and that they should be more amping up the fact that it's so portable. Portable. Because I think yeah. that the the best bits from the trailer I thought were when you just sort of got it out on the train or the plane or the back of a taxi. Those are pretty cool. Whereas. Yeah. A home console, it's it, it it does it has original games on it for for like Legend of Zelda and things, but that don't think that's how they're gonna get a lot of people to to buy it. I think that if they're selling it as like a really good like it's a console quality handheld device that you can play on the train, they should be selling it as that. Well, I think a lot will hinge on how good a a multimedia device it is, because I think it's comp- I mean. It's not a, you know it's not in direct competition with an iPad or you know, like an Android tablet. It's, but it's a different, it's, different it's very thing, much, yeah. but it is very much occupying the same space in your life. Like if I'm going on the train and I'm taking something with me, it's like, oh, do I take my do I take my Switch and to watch perhaps a Netflix show, or do I take my iPad? Yeah, I think I think if I remember correctly, it's not going to have Netflix and iPlayer. Oh, so it doesn't at have launch, like, but it's but it's their, their plan in the future. So I don't think that they're and have them initially, but okay. we'll do I, it at some point. I guess it would sort of come down to what the quality of the games are on the Switch, and I agree with you, Nevian, that they should be uh, advertising this as a, you know the best portable device on the market. I mean, we already have consoles. We have the PS4, the new PS4 coming out. We have the new Xbox One coming out. And against those, I mean, it doesn't really have the same benchmark i guess so if you sell it as the portable device that's where you're going to get most of your customers you, you would think at least i don't know nintendo's well, I... always had its own following because it's got its you know its unique house games that are that's true of, of a different vibe to anything yeah. on the on the ps4 or xbox oh definitely nintendo has like the most successful mm. first party games by far like it has games that it just by having by having Legend of Zelda as like a launch title, pretty much, is going to sell that console like hotcakes. It didn't sell out on Amazon within like the first twenty four hours of the pre order going up. Is there there there's no worries that that console is going to sell well. Nintendo games are beloved. There's there's no doubt about that. Yeah, that's true. I agree on that. Yeah. Uh, how, much the, how much is the How much is a Switch? Love. Like if if I was buying it as a user, how much would it cost me out of pocket? Uh, three, uh it's like two hundred and ninety dollars, and that's two hundred and seventy nine pounds, and yeah, something like that. Uh, an amount of yen greater than a thousand. Is that cheap? Is that cheap? <laughs> than the, uh... one. <laughs> uh, I think that the it's less the console price and more like the accessories and stuff like. Didn't they say that games are going to be like pretty much sixty pound a piece? Yeah, well, it's it's and I then mean, like it depends on new how... controllers were like fifty five pound. Yeah, the and... controllers are steep, which is yeah, and that's not even like ones that and then like the, uh, the charging station is like thirty pound. Uh, <laughs> loads of stuff that you like that's normally not quite so expensive is very dear 
You can see how Nintendo like normally price things a lot closer the other way. It's just I wasn't expecting it to be honest. Well, I mean, they've got a lot. I guess they've got. I think it might be because they've got to fit a lot of high-end parts into the Switch, and so they might be selling it very close to, you know, uh, uh, what's the word? Yeah, like, yeah. The, the, I, I... like the profit margin is probably quite small, yeah. so they've got to rec- like make make up for it with. They've got to make on the games products. there. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. and I, I don't like I said, I don't think it's gonna. I think it's gonna do really well. I think it's gonna do. It's got loads of really good games coming out on it that already exist that are just known to be good like Skyrim and other things that are just going to come out on all consoles so that's just going to do well for it but then it also has excellent first party support from like Super Mario Odyssey, it's got uh, Legend of Zelda, there's been games announced for 2018 for it with Fire Emblem, it's going to have all sorts of, it's yeah it's going to do it's got plenty of things going for it to save people who don't have uh, like three six uh three sixty an Xbox One or a PS4 yet as a good excuse to get a Nintendo Switch if you like instead of either of those if you don't own one already because you can take it with you and it's a home console and it's got that whole like two controllers already basically for lots of multiplayer stuff. I it, guess the yeah. other thing, sorry to interrupt, maybe I guess the other thing going back to your point before. Is it will have a lot of these, you know, your exclusives, exclusives as well. Like uh, mm. the Zelda series will obviously make it sell quite a bit. So, yeah, it should do right. Yeah, yeah, and Nintendo, they, they yeah, they were quite gracefully bowed out of the, with the with the Wii U, and they clearly learned a lot of things from just sort of seeing what's happened with. Uh, in general, with like with gaming, like the AAA market and stuff, so they they picked a good time to come out with the Switch because think of like last last year with, with lots of sequels didn't do very well. I think that that'll be the exact opposite of, for all of the Nintendo related sequels. They'll all do very well because we haven't seen them in quite a while. Like because lots of people yeah, sort of nice. missed the Wii U generation. The last time they played those was either the Wii or before that, or they've only ever or they've played sort of those sort of titles on the 3DS. Have been able to play them as fully fledged console quality games will be, yeah. I think it's going to be the year of Nintendo. I've said this before elsewhere, but yeah, it's going to be the year of Nintendo. Yeah, I mean, speaking on the peripheries, I, I there will I'm imagining there's going to be like insanely priced battery pack for the thing because I was amazed that the, the battery life isn't that great. I mean, and obviously because it's a you know, it's a console running on a high quality screen running powerful games. But how long was it? I uh, it's remember. two hours. It's two to six hours depending on the game. Yeah, two hours. So, not so too you're bad, not going to really. So you, yeah, I mean, like, and that's the you know if they're marketing it at potentially six, but they have they're specifying two. It's you know, it's going to be short. Yeah. Yeah, you think of two, uh, when... two hours is alright though. I guess like if you're playing, you know, a high quality game like Skyrim and something, two hours is pretty good. You get a lot of lot of stuff done in two hours. Yeah, but, I mean, if you're travelling, if you're travelling long distance, that's not a huge amount of time. No, it's not. But that's when like having a battery pack, like you said, is going to become like you're going to know someone owns a Switch because they have a bag full of batteries. <laughs> like it'll, four yeah, or five it'll, of the buggers. It'll become. It'll be like I imagine it's gonna become like 
as futuristic as it looks, it's going to end up like a sort of 90s portable console where it's like, <laughs> look at this portable computer that I'm wearing, and they're just wearing a rucksack. This huge, like, <laughs> there's car There's about, like, four battery packs in there. Just, like, plugged yeah. into... It's so portable. But to be fair, you can get, like, decent-sized battery packs that are fairly yeah. small. Like, they're just, they're about, like, a couple of inches long. That... Well, I mean, they'll charge your I... phone, but... Touch a switch. Like, I mean, you, you can get like laptop ones that are a bit bigger. Yeah, I, I've got one for um, my laptop, and it's not much bigger, and it charges that fine. So oh, I don't think it should be massively different. I mean, battery technologies battery technologies come a really long way. So I mean, you can get quite a lot of charge out of quite a small like container unit, I guess. So yeah, and it's coming. Is it got USB C? tech in it as well so it's going to charge quick oh yeah i think that was I made the, that that's the i feel like i think i saw that yeah you can charge it with i think it does charge with usb-c yeah so it'll charge quite quickly when it's like when it's being used anyway i feel like this is really boring and technical um, yeah <laughs> let's talk great. about something else <laughs> exciting things what what yeah is coming we're out like the year? battery size <laughs> <laughs> the battery size is so good yeah who cares <laughs> right you can play games on it <laughs> um, yeah i gotta but I, I gotta admit i gotta admit though just before we we switch to something else talking about the new battery technology the 3ds does charge pretty quickly though so it must have similar uh technology in it i'm guessing I, I don't think so. The 3ds is quite old no. now, but it's it's a lot. It's uh the the size of the battery is a lot smaller. It's it's, it's drawing on a lot less, so it's gonna charge quickly anyway. But the new USB-C apparently fully charges a phone in like 15 minutes or something, and that that's a like to like full percentage. So it's a lot quicker than it would be otherwise. Gosh, that's really rambly and not good, but you know what I mean. It's 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 even better than that sort of thing. Yeah. And plus the USB-C uh you can use it on up. It's a, across loads of different devices, so one cable. Uh, and live for yeah. days when you just only have to have one cable, unless you have an Apple thing. In which case, why would you? Screwed. Join us next week, where we'll discuss the number of screws <laughs> in the switch and rank them all by <laughs> And the type of screwdriver you would need to get into it. <laughs> do, you need an, do you need an Allen key or do you need a, uh, a flat or hex one? screw? Which is better? Oh dear. Yeah, I've oh, bored myself to death there. Right, what else is coming out in 2017 that uh, we're interested in? I'm quite looking forward to Persona 5. Uh, that's probably the big highlight of the year for me. It's going to be... Because that's the... Life. It's like a... I don't know very much about Persona 5, but I'm going to be talking about Persona 4, and that is the Japanese RPG series where everyone, every game is quite different. Because the last one was set in a school, I think you remember what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. The last one was set in like a small town um, where you solve mysteries it's sort of the persona series has always been one part sort of life sim where you in in persona 4 you were a teenager going to school trying to get through exams and have friends and get like a side get a job (laughs) and stuff like that but also all that's tied to like the personas which are like your monsters you use in dungeons so all your social things you're doing is making your dungeon fighting better and that's the same thing they've brought into persona 5 except you, it's an entirely different place. It's a much bigger location, a whole new story. Persona 4 was amazing. One of my favorite games of all time. It has some of the most, the the like the best like little stories in it, and oh, amazing music as well. If you like anything like that, yeah, it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to Persona 5. Um, I try to think of what else I can say about it that's 
I mean, what sort? Of, so it's, I mean, it's an RPG, but what sort of like what sort of RPG is it? Like sort of action, real time combat, or is it turn based? No, it's it's a classic turn based. Where okay. I don't think they've changed the the combat system up hugely. Based, it's it's sort of regular turn based, but you the spin that like the persona and uh, it's part of the Shin Megami Tensei sort of ser- broader series have is where um, you do. If you do a critical attack or attack that an opponent's weak against, you get like an extra turn. If they do it back to you, you lose a turn, sort of thing. Um, I'm trying to think what else that is semi-unique to them. Um, your a lot of your abilities, you you pay with your health to use them as well, rather than just mana. So that's sort of like the unique-ish bits that they have going for them. But I'm pretty okay. sure it's just going to be regular, sort of classic turn-based, which I'm quite looking forward to because I haven't played a really good classic turn-based game in a while that's been decent. I mean, I played World of Final Fantasy sort of back end of last year, and I've gone back to it a bit recently, but <clears throat> it's yeah, that's, not that's what, that's what challenging. Off, that's what put me off, off a lot of, sort of JRPGs, is I'm not a fan of turn-based sort of RPG combat, where you have like your party squares off against their party. Oh, really? See, I quite like it, because I think that it's quite like tactical, and bit, there's like a good strategy to it, whereas one of my main... Dis- dislikes about Final Fantasy 15 is like it just becomes a button mash like there's no strategy in it unless you specifically go on like the wait by mode and even then you don't have an awful lot of control over what's actually happening and I don't find that's interesting I what if if I'm gonna just button mash I might as well just play like a Streets of Rage sort of game or like just like a hack and slash it's there's not the same level of depth I don't know, I always just like the, I kind of like just like immediate feedback, so it's like press X to swing sword, and it just feels, so it feels nicer, nicer about that than, I don't know, I guess, I guess it's always personal preference, I guess, but, oh, I don't know, but yeah, some, it is. like, I always much preferred being, having direct control of my character, and kind of. I guess, I guess it sort of goes back to uh, two games that did this, I think, you know, relatively, you know, two different sort of uh, controls of this, but you had uh, Dragon Age Origins, which was more um, turn-based, like what Nevi is saying, and then you had Dragon Age 2, which was more uh, action-based, like you're saying, George. So I guess you can have fans on both sides of the fence, you know, that prefer one. I mean, I know a lot of people like Origins for that turn-based strategy combat because it gives you more control. But I know a lot of people... Well, like Dragon Age 2, because it just feels good, you know, when you hit something with a sword, you get that immediate bloodshed or the feedback or that magic, so just my two cents. There were people who liked Dragon Age 2? Uh, I had a I go. I didn't, I don't know, I didn't love it, because sure? the, the combat <laughs> right. feels like you're still playing the first one, but not... Like, I'm defending correct. a losing cause, yes. But... <laughs> I had a go. Uh, I got further than I did with Dragon Age Origins, but Really? I mean, oh my gosh! Dragon Age Origins is a classic. It's one uh, of the best, best games of the of that I mean, generation. It's not saying a huge amount. I didn't get further. I didn't get super far. You're missing out. It was like a <laughs> Dragon Age Origins was a like a really good sort of uh, throwback to classic sort of Baldur's Gate games in the way that it it was like a 3D version of that pretty much. Because in that you'd have like a, t- a part you fought. It was semi real time where you issue commands and then things would do stuff. But you could also pause it and then issue specific orders and then see let those things happen and then go back to it. But yeah, right. 
I feel like that has more... You've got... There's more interesting choices in that than there is in Dragon Age 2, where it's... It's more... It, you might be having... like You might get more gore and more like uh, immediate sort of like killing and stuff, but there's less interesting battles. Like, there's not the same... Yeah, well, I think that Dragon Age 2 didn't quite cut... Like, it didn't fully get away from the... Uh, like select person to attack person thing. Like the attacks weren't quite as an immediate feedback. Like you didn't have as free. Sort a... of a mix of two. Yeah. It was kind of a yeah. It was kind of a mix of the two, and it kind of just made it feel a bit clunky. But yeah, I went yeah, back I to even... play Origins because I was like, I really want to play Inquisition. So I'm <laughs> gonna play the first two. And oh, uh, you really don't like. <laughs> well, it's, the, it's for the, and as a result, I have not played the inquisition and for the exact same reason i have not played the witcher 3 even though i really want to play both of the games I'm like no, I've got both first games no you don't you, for the witcher 3 i'd say there's a benefit to playing the first two because there's actually like a progressive story in that whereas in inquisition characters are mentioned in passing oh, okay like you maybe meet one or two of them from previous games it's an entirely different story and it's it's there's no because you play as a different person in each each of the dragon age games there's not that same continuity. It, yeah, you don't need to. Really okay, because I was thinking, I was thinking it would be like Mass Effect, where you can carry, like, because no. it has the carryover save system. Like. No, it's not. No. It's not the no, same. It's thing, not at no. all. It, they shouldn't even be numbered. They're like okay. they're, they're they're same games in they're, they're in the same universe, but they're basically unrelated. Like you'll bump into characters from previous games, or you'll hear them mentioned, but never actually. Mm. But basically, there's no need to know what happened in previous games. In fact. Who really like Dragon Age Two? What even really happened in that game? <laughs> I, I, I was gonna say it boils down to Dragon Age One Origins, classic. Dragon Age Two, everyone hates on, and Inquisition, mixed opinion. Yeah, I see. Inquisition is it ha- I I quite like Inquisition. I think Inquisition is good, really good in places, but it it, it falls down because it tries to be a too open worldy. It has it falls into the same. Uh, category as Assassin's Creed games of there's lots of pointless shit everywhere I don't feel like I want to do which really dilutes the good bits of the game um, and speaking of Mass Effect there's a new Mass Effect coming out this year isn't there yes there is, there is. nailed the same yes. way <laughs> nicely done so I'm, I'm going to weigh in here and as someone who isn't a fan of Mass Effect um, and just say yeah I'm not a fan convince me to play this one um, I can't. I. I mean, I'm. I mean, I, <laughs> you can't. No, I mean, like. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I'm looking forward to it because I enjoyed the other ones, but I don't know. I don't. I don't have the same levels of hype as I had for Mass Effect Three. I'm like, it's probably gonna be quite fun. I'm probably gonna have quite an enjoyable time playing it. Well, yeah. I. I can uh, convince you, Nevi, if George can't. Okay. So Mass Effect Four is gonna be simply one of the best games in 2017. Why? Because it's developed by Bioware, and Bioware are a good team. Second, well, well relative, us, well, they, relatively, they gave, us, they gave us Dragon Age Two. Okay, okay. And they, Dragon they, Age Three. They, they have given us, <laughs> they have given us some shit, but they've also given yeah. us some good stuff too. So we've got that could be good. Um, but most importantly, they're uh, they have some great characters. You can't you can't say right. Okay, the combat may have been crap. Okay, but the characters in each Bioware game have been pretty good. Now, Dragon Age 2 has some interesting, See, mediocre combat, okay? But 
where it does shine. Even that is true. Shit. I will give you that. Dragon Age Two has some of the most in- some of the, beat, the most interesting yeah. characters actually in the, all yeah. of the Dragon Age games, so, pretty much. Apart from a couple in, in Inquisition that are really interesting, but yeah, no, it does have the best characters. Best I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to think like when they've disappointed us with characters, and they really haven't. I mean, Origins was pretty good because of its characters. Dragon Age Two, yeah, yeah. pretty good because of its characters, and you had Mass Effect, which, I mean. The story, the main story, was something we, you know, we have seen before in novels and different sort of things. But I think what made it good was that you had these long-lasting characters. You know, you had, you established your um, character with Lyra um, and all the, you know, Garrus in number one, Mass Effect one, and then it continued until Mass Effect three, where basically Lyra is the one that basically works out, you know, what the relationship between the Reapers and the Collectors, and then you had Garrus, who basically becomes, you know, the leader of the um, Turian fleet. So you had these long-lasting relationships, and they all the characters in all Mass Effect games were really good, so yeah, Mass like Effect will be you good. Get, you kind of connect with the characters on the same level that you connect with, like, a favourite character on a TV show, just because just lots of the voice acting in scenes is great. I see. I mean, they were, made, they were able to make a whole DLC purely off like your love, people's love for the characters, which was yeah. which was just I think it was called like the Sistel DLC, and basically you just have a party with your crew before you all go and die, and they just kind of slot it in because they were like, you know what fans really like, hanging out with the characters, go have a party and have fun, and it's just like a I think it's just like fifteen minutes of dialogue options in which you have a party. <laughs> so I tried I I played most of Mass Effect 1 and then a good chunk of Mass Effect 2 and I just didn't I didn't get on with pretty much any of it so I, but I'll I'll no, tediously okay. I think like uh, Mass- tediously I mean... tenuously uh, see if I want to play uh, the new one I can always well, rent I think it if you didn't get on with Mass Effect 2 you probably won't get on with you know 3 or or Andromeda because I mean Mass Effect like Mass Effect 2 is probably the high point of the series Right, well, I think maybe I just have a higher standard of like sci-fi fiction than fantasy fiction. Maybe that's my issue. But... I mean, I mean, George, I will agree with you that Mass Effect Two had a high point. But I mean, if we're talking about combat, I would have said Mass Effect Three probably has better combat, even though it's probably two. At least has sort of the better story. You know, I thought the story with the collectors was actually quite sort of interesting. So I mean, yeah, the the um like the collector base was something that we hadn't seen before, and I think for I think it'll be something different. It won't be the same Reaper, you know, threat we had before. It'll be something different, something new. And for me, I mean, the thing that has always enticed me about space and space travel is always going to new worlds, and we're going to a whole new galaxy here. So there'll be different races, there'll be different planets. I mean, the Mako, which was pretty terrible was what, in number uh, one. Is getting a remake as well, so I, I see. I, I I quite enjoyed the Mako number one. I don't. Know, I think. I, but I think the Mass Effect two was the best because it it struck the best balance between all of the elements, like sort of story wise, uh, side mission things, and Mass Effect three had the best combat, and I think Mass Effect one. I don't know. Best story. Probably. Best story. Yeah, best story. Like. As a whole. Uh, but Mass Effect 2 was the kind of just did everything 
Yeah, that, 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 well that's what I'd heard is the Mass Effect 2 was like the high point, which is why the only reason why I tried it after like playing the first Mass Effect for 15 hours and just getting bored. Um, but we'll see, we'll see. Uh, listen, hold the, keep this space and I'll I'll get back to you when it comes out and if I if I play it and have my thoughts and feelings towards it. But at the moment, I'm tenuous at best. Yeah, well, that's the thing is what's weird is that from the trailers, we're seeing all of the same races and species that we saw before in like cities and stuff. And so I'm inter- interested to see how that works. Seems it's in, like a new galaxy, so whether you arrive and other people left your galaxy before. So how much of the story, like, how much of the choices from Mass Effect 3 are going to affect this one? And is there any going to be any continuity at all? Uh, or is it just going to be entirely fresh? I mean, perhaps... I haven't heard any mention that you can carry over a save. So your choices, I don't think, will make any difference. But I'm sure there'll be, like, references to, like generic yeah. events of previous games right i mean i'm sure so, if they do like a sequel sort of thing then they'll have your character you know your choices from this one carry over to the next one so it's supposed to be sort of like the shepherd trilogy was you know mass effect one to three this will sort of be a new trilogy with this new protagonist so i'm sure you know if you make a decision in this one to you know leave a squad mate behind or something you'll find out in the next one sort of what yeah, happened yeah. to them and that sort of thing cool cool what else are we looking forward to in this year in this year this year this year Anything? george george didn't you have some more things you were looking forward to or? uh yeah i mean it's it's not it's not gonna be a huge place i don't think but i'm quite looking forward to a game called rising storm 2 uh which is a sort of asymmetrical multiplayer shooter uh, set in the uh, American War in Vietnam. Uh, and but yeah, so one side plays plays the Viet Cong and North Vietnamese and the other plays the Americans. Uh, it's, a, it's a sequel to Rising Storm 1, which was an expansion to Red Orchestra 2, which was a sequel which was a sequel to Red Orchestra 1. Uh, what can we expect from uh, the asynchronicity? 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 Asynchronicity. Uh, asymmetrical. What's the? Uh, what are the differences going to be? Um, what are the major changes between the two factions? Well, because basically, I mean, the game sort of puts a lot of emphasis on on realism and uh, like it's not the easiest game, like it's not the easiest game to master, and it's a little bit sort of there's lots of sort of pedantic details. Yeah, like you. I mean, like, I mean, there's basic stuff like you don't have, uh, you know, there's no, there's no cross, there's no crosshairs. You have to just aim down the gun sight. But other things, if you, there's no, there's minimal HUD. I don't think there's any. Right. Uh, so if you want to check the ammunition in your weapon, you can hold up, you can hold the reload button to literally take the magazine out of your gun, look at it, and then put it back in. That's cool. I've always said uh, that was weird. Good. That yeah, I was just leave half a magazine in. Yeah, and it'll still be like you have half a magazine remaining. That's uh, cool. And it's you know it's very easy to die. Uh, you know, and sort of gun recoil is quite, you know, quite quite nasty, and mm. weapons aren't super accurate if they're sort of fully automatic. Yeah. Well, that was... but yeah. So I mean, you're gonna have one team that's has access to the entire American military arsenal from 
sort of Huey gunships and transport helicopters to I think APCs and uh, tanks and then you've got the kind of guerrilla forces of the Viet Cong who I think are going to who get access to things like tunnels and uh, traps and things uh, cool. but it sounds really interesting because I mean because it it sounds like they're going to be able to get the scale of uh, and have quite uh, really open maps because mm. the thing with Dragon Ball One was it was very much uh, most of the maps would be kind of thin and rectangular because they were based around one team attacking and trying to capture all the points in a line and one team defending. Yeah. Like, they weren't super open. Whereas this, I think they want to kind of try and capture the... like, the lack of real front lines in the war. So right. You, so America, the American strategy was you would kind of go in, kill lots of people, get out by a helicopter, and they kind of want to do the same thing. So Americans, I think, you know, will spawn kind of off the map, I think, and fly in by a helicopter to try and capture uh, kind of c- control points on the map, rather than having kind of one side of the map being American, one side of the map being Viet Cong. Viet Cong. Yeah. You'll just have kind of the Americans coming in and trying to capture points in different locations, sort of via helicopter. And so that sounds a lot more uh, interesting than more standard uh, sort of arena shooters. Yeah, it'll be all really, really interesting if they can pull it off and it, if it actually kind of works. I mean, it'll require a lot of, sort of team coordination. Mm. I mean, but there are lots of things that some of the developers are saying that you know if you it's quite you know obviously it's really easy for Americans to get places because they've got helicopters but at the same time they telegraph which point they're attacking because you just Vietcon can just see like helicopters flying to a yeah yeah landing and they can just set up and it's quite easy for them to set up ambushes and stuff that's cool so what sort of size maps have they been saying it's going to be how how big are we talking um, it sounds like it's going to be how many people I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, they obviously. I mean, from the way they describe it, the conflict's gonna be quite large. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know how. It's, I mean, obviously, it's not. It's not an. It's you know, it's not an open world game. It's you know, contained. Yeah, yeah. Maps. Uh, how many people could, did they said it's gonna be? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it. In, I know in Rising Storm One, it's it was thirty two versus thirty. No, it would be yeah sixty four. So it'd be thirty two versus thirty two. That's quite a lot. And I, I'm not sure if they've scaled it down. For Rising Tom 2, but I'll have a look. Yeah, so that would be a lot of people. Um, yeah, what? Because I'm trying to think. Um, because that's uh, quite. I don't know, but it's, it's interesting. Like, so if you, uh, there's no kind of unlock. I mean, well, there might be unlocks, but in Rising Tom 1, you'd you spawn in, you'd, you choose a class. You might be a rifleman, hmm. or you'd be a like a squad leader, and so it'd be your job to. Uh, you can give orders to your squad and you get access to things like smoke grenades or you can call it, you can request uh, uh, sort of re- uh, reconnaissance planes and you'll have someone playing the overall commander. Cool. So that sort of sees them. There was another game that was... Is, maybe, is that just the Battle, previous? I mean, Battlefield, Battlefield 2 and Battle, and I think they brought it in for Battlefield 4 as well had, right. a, had, the, had the feature. Yeah. That, cause that sounds really interesting. It must be really difficult to pull off and like consistently having someone in. Yeah, the like role. I mean, I've been in one or two games where you have commanders actually using their microphones. Yeah. So you don't have the entire team, but you actually have people like giving orders and stuff, and it is. It's very cool to be a part of. Yeah, no, it sounds really and cool. And it because it, so it feels like it's. Uh, when everything's coordinated, it feels great. Awesome. And I'm kind of hoping, and I'm. It seems the. 
it'll be even more interesting than it was in Rise of Storm One. Cool. I mean, I I think with those with those mechanics, um, we could see something similar to you know Titanfall Two, where sort of to an extent it sort of changed the genre a little bit. I mean, this could do the same thing. This the different tunnel spawning and stuff like that sounds like it could really shake the formations of the actual genre, which would be really good. It means you won't have those same copy pasted games anymore, or less of them yeah. anymore. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like that's the thing. Cause it was it was a, it was kind of a it was a sort of niche game. Like it's not. It had a sort of like Rise of Storm one and the Red Orchestra to have like a small and sort of dedicated community. So I don't know if it'll, you know, it won't attract the same sort of attention as big. Triple A shooters. Is it, it's not um, quite. Is it a PC game or is it on consoles? Or yeah, yeah, uh, PC, uh, PC only. Yeah, I thought so. Sounds like a PC uh, only project. Actually. Well, I think because I mean, like the control, like the controls are a bit finickety, and hmm. yeah, there's there's a, there's a kind of initially a high learning curve because it's not it's not. I mean, the Red Orchestra games were not very fast paced. Like there was a lot of face in the tech, like the ground texture, like crawling along. Yeah. And then you'd kind of pop your head up, and you'd kind of see gun flashes in the distance and you'd have a few pot shots uh, and there was often very little to indicate whether you'd killed someone like there was no there were no hit markers or like kill notifications yeah, other yeah. than there'd be a, li- a really little like feed so it'd be like that would tell you that would show your username shot other username right yeah. so sometimes you'd just be like firing off into the distance and it'd be like uh, George killed, you know, like, will kill icon. The distance at which you killed them, and then, but yeah, and it was very easy to die. Generally, one shot would do it. Mm. Sometimes, if you t- if you took a sort of an arm shot or, you know, in a sort of non-lethal location, you'd start bleeding out, and you, your character like begins to black out, and you have to like bandage up yourself. Right. Uh. Yeah, it's quite tough because I mean, if you if you if you try and move and shoot, you generally don't hit anyone. Just like the sort of the gun recoil is quite quite wild. Yeah, it sounds interesting. Um, yeah, no, it sounds interesting. I mean, there's there's not been many shooters that have sort of explored that era either. So, be interesting to see how they what their take on it is. It's. There's, I can't think of any others really that are set in that period. So, uh, Battlefield Viet wasn't there. There were a couple of old. Yeah, there was an old. I mean, there was a Battlefield that was, and then the Bad Company Two expansion, and then Black Ops. Oh, okay, yeah, prove me wrong. <laughs> I was like, I can't think of any. There's hundreds. <laughs> uh, and then there were a couple like of old PC titles. Like there was one that explored the whole like psychological aspect of it. Okay, I think, or at least from the cut like. From what I was judging, judging by the cover and the blurb, there's only been a and few then, though. So uh, then there was uh, there's like a, I think it's like global. There was like de- there was like Desert Storm, Desert Storm Two, which are really old games, mm. and I think it was like Global Storm or Globe. But there was definitely like a Vietnam Storm right game. Vietnam if Storm. I've got the titles of that game right. Fair enough. What else are we looking forward to in 2017? What else are you looking forward to, Harrison? Give me your top three things you're looking forward to. Uh, well, uh, one of my favourites that I'm looking for is uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. So I've had this on my radar for a while, actually. Probably since the tail end of last year when we uh, had the, annou- the announcement. 
And it's sort of, imagine sort of Monster Hunter, but sort of with massive dinosaurs, uh, open world, sort of robotic mystery and trying to figure out sort of where these robotic dinosaurs came from sort of thing. So it should be really good. No, it looks really interesting. For a long time, I've been looking for like, thinking there should be like a really good sort of Monster Hunter style um, console game. I know they did one that was on the, was it the Wii or the Wii U? That Monster Hunter 3 that was like cross-play across them, but I don't own either, so I didn't get to play that, but um, some of the others that I've tried, like um, oh, I've forgotten the name of it now, but there was one that's uh, that was released that was a bit more arcadey, didn't have the same sort of grandiose uh, feel that, that Monster Hunter has where you like, everything is terrifying um, sort of thing, so that hopefully like Horizon Zero Dawn brings that we just say actually, that's a stupid name. Just think that's a stupid name. It's like Kingdoms of uh, Amalur. I don't love it. Like, like I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't particularly tell me much about yeah. it. Yeah, it's like Kingdoms of Amalur. Yeah, it reminds me of that sort of like. like what is the, well, what actually, are you doing here with the name? I'm not, so I, I'm not going to criticize if it doesn't say much about the game. Like it doesn't. I don't think games need to do that. No, me neither. But like the, it, it feels like in that sort of way. Like, what's the like. Horizon What's Zero Dawn. What's the is the is the is the game series Horizon and this is the Zero Dawn part of it? Or is the whole like universe called Horizon Zero Dawn? Or is it Horizon Zero Dawn? I don't know. I, mean, I can't remember where the where the colon is now, but like it just reminds you of that sort of Kingdoms of Amalur sort of like world buildinginess of like you know, the world is this and that's that. But anyway. Um, that was my my <laughs> monologue on why I don't like the name. <laughs> Can we talk about something interesting? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's lots of it's lots of mechs and dinosaurs. It, yeah. kind of, it gave me um, what's the what's it called? Is it Ark Survival Evolved? That, yeah, the, it gave me that oh, yeah. vibe too. Actually, this, this, yeah. No, but Have you guys it, played that. It always looks good. But it'd be pretty cool, I think, because it's sort of I'm interested in this character as well. I mean, I think they've crafted quite a good potentially sort of female lead in this, which would be really good. And I think what what is also good about this is that um, you're back to sort of basic hunter and gathering, sort of once again going back to Monster Hunter sort of style where you have to gather your actual ammunition. You know, you can't afford to just, you know, waste ammunition on, you know, trying to take down something. You've got to be really accurate with how you use it. So there'll be yeah. sort of critical points on these, you know, giant mechs where, you know, if you target, you know, a leg or something like that, it might blow off and uncover another part of it, you know, which will give you that death blow sort of thing. So I'm looking forward to that. And um, the other thing, we haven't heard much about it actually, but I'm sort of intrigued because it's based on a uh, pen and paper RPG is uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Um, I can't say no, the name the, right. The the CG product red. Yeah, that one. Yeah, because yeah. I haven't released any information on it. But I mean, I saw that the CGI trailer they did a, a while ago, probably two years ago. Yeah, is that and is that it really intrigued me? This year, supposedly. It, is that, yeah, is it really? Right. I think I heard that actually. Yeah. Oh, it is. Oh, I love CD Projekt Red are, are great. So I, I'm yeah, anything by them. I mean, apparently, they. <laughs> I mean, from from what I've sort of read, from what I've read, um, 
you know, basically ever since uh, CG Project Red stopped working on the new, you know, when they released a new expansion to Witcher 3, the Blood and Wine uh, one, I think yeah. it was, all their team has basically been pulled from that. Um, now it's done and actually commissioned to work on this game, the cyberpunk game. Just yeah. really cool because it's sort of, I've always loved that genre and it goes back to sort of other games sort of like Shadowrun, Shadowrun Hong Kong and stuff like that where I think there's, if it's one done by CG Project Red, you know it's going to be a really good quality with voice acting, characters, the world itself is going to be quite good and yeah, I can't yeah. wait to see what they do with that sort of sci-fi version of Witcher 3 in, in a weird way. Yeah, it's interesting to see their take on it. But they announced. I mean, I'm sure they have. Have they announced the genre that it is? Like, is it is it going to be like another third person game, but in a sci-fi setting? Yeah, um, I've been so. trying to. Sorry, never go. No, I was just say. I, I think they've said it's just it's going to be like an action RPG again. But I could be wrong there. Mm. It's actually a digital puzzle. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the case. It's not going to be like The Witness in Cyberpunk. <laughs> We've all been working to make line puzzles for the past four years. No, I don't think it'll be that. I think one of the most interesting things I heard, I mean, I think it was early in development, I think, uh, ages ago, but it was to do with one of their sort of game options, I guess you'd call it, where um, say you're in a different, you're in a city and uh, you want to get information, like on the different city and how it operates and stuff. There's a lot of different parts and one of them is sort of language, so... Obviously, if you know if you have a certain language, you'll be able to understand that segment of the city, and so you'll be able to gain information that way. So you can yeah. sort of, you know, if you learn Japanese or something, you'll be able to understand that part, and that'll give you access to, you know, you might have a different approach to different missions, which sounds pretty good. That sounds good. It does sound good. Will those so will, will those be languages? I mean, like current languages they won't be like a futuristic made up language no current languages i think but i'm not too sure that's that's cause that's, that's really interesting if you because like, as someone that only speaks english i obviously you know will have to be like okay well i i need to unlock from what, from what you described i'll need to unlock you know get unlocks and stuff to, in order to have it translated from japanese to english so i can read it but it, that's really interesting that some people who are multilingual will be able to just be like, oh, I can read that, or, oh, I, I know I know what they're saying, and have yeah. it actually affect uh, gameplay as opposed to those. That is cool, actually. That would be Which really is kind of cool. Should we visually follow that guess, yeah, not, really, not many. I mean, not many games have, have that where it actually affects the game. I mean, obviously, like, if you're... I don't know, like, if you're, you, know, you buy a game that's in a different language, it's not really affecting the game, it's just you need to get it translated. Yeah, Whereas, yeah. It's not the same play, same thing. It's actually it affecting how you play rather. Yeah. Than... So like being like, oh, I speak I speak French, so I can you know hang out in the French quarter, and I don't need to waste <laughs> a skill point. Uh, yeah. You know, unlock learning to speak French. Yeah. I mean, curses! If only I'd paid attention in French class. In that French I would class. Be so much better at Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Why there didn't they go, tell me? See. They should be telling kids this. This is why they should pay attention in French. <laughs> so you can play this game. You know, a public announcement. <laughs> yeah, learning French makes you better at video games. I reckon that. Oh, I bet you know what else. Is, you know what else it's gonna be like. If you, if you know, if you learn, if you learn French, you'll get thing. But also, if you want to beat the bot, the final boss, you're gonna to need to recall all of your quadratic equations. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that time again. 
<laughs> I didn't think I'd actually have to remember them. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's sort of those little touches that really make me intrigued. I mean, that's only the barest of details that I've heard. So if this, I guess if this type of concept applies to sort of every element um, mm. of the game, I think it'll be it'll be one of those games that you know actually deserves the hype. I guess you can call it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's because yeah, it's weird. It's like um, CD Projekt Red, or pretty much every game they've ever done has like an enormous amount of hype to it. But they've they've always they've never let you down ever. Like I, I've I've never not enjoyed a Witcher game or anything they've Don't ever get done. Hype, be cynical, and then it's more. Then you'll never be disappointed. But I I I you can trust them. It's weird. It's weird to think that like you can trust them to like not fuck it up. Don't but, trust them. Trust no one. Like, but I was Witcher three. I was looking forward to it and quite a bit, and it by far exceeded my expectations of how good it was going to be. So you should really play it, George. What are you doing with your life? I Go want play to. The Witcher I just 3. want to finish the. I just want to finish the Witcher two, and I'm stuck in a damn mine with <laughs> zombies in it. And I keep, yeah. Like, I keep, and I keep forgetting to save. <laughs> and I do really want to play the Witcher three. You really should. Kill those zombies first in the cave, though. <laughs> I just, yeah. I just want to finish The Witcher two. It but... is worth finishing The Witcher two. So I know, 2. so I know what's going on. No, it, it is worth finishing because you'll, that stuff gets referenced more than you think, um, and it helps with like a lot of the side stuff. It lets you understand who characters are, because I could imagine mm. that a lot of it would be confusing if this was your first game, especially you meet other witches, and if you hadn't played the other games, you'd be like. Who are these people? Why do I have a relationship <laughs> with them? How do they know me? <laughs> well, I haven't met any other witches in The Witcher 2. And maybe... What? What, whereabouts are you? You, sh- you should do it at some uh, point. I left that swamp region, which sucked. <laughs> what um, act are you in? Is it, is it explained to Max? It's the second act. And yeah. I've left and I've gone to the... Oh god, there's so much politics. I've gone to the kingdom that is like a buffer state between... No, that's not it. I mean, like a dwarf city that yeah. sort of borders of the region at war. So you've left and... a swamp place. Velen's the swampy yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so... I remember. I read up. I read up on all the politics and the sort of geopolitical situation of Temeria. No, it's not. Temeria is the con- like is one country, right? The geopolitical situation of that whole continent. Yeah, I've forgotten it all now. Temeria's like. And the... It was really. Oh, and I was like, oh, that's quite interesting because. Tamarius, the people, is the the large empire, and then well, to, there's a, yeah, there's a smaller like... country that is still independent, and you yeah. show up and they're fighting someone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You see, this is why this is I why you need to finish it because it play makes. The Witcher 2. Yeah, if you play The Witcher Three, you'll go to going. Why is everyone angry at each other? <laughs> Why is everyone angry? What's happened? <laughs> I need to learn French, do my quadratic equations, and then do my homework on The Witcher 2. Yeah. And do your homework. Yeah, yeah, that George, sounds what good, are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll say one last thing that I'm looking forward to 2017, and then we'll do a quiz. Um, I'm really looking forward to Final Fantasy XII Zodiac Age. For anybody who hasn't played it, it's the the best game to get sort of... You know how when you play games that have other members in your party and you don't control them like as a person, you can't switch to them? Yeah. Isn't it really annoying when they just do stupid things? Yes. Yeah. 
Right, well, Final Fantasy Twelve is the only game, to my knowledge, to let you basically give give them ten if commands. So, if this happens, do that. So that they are immediately not stupid anymore. Like, it's, it has stuff like... Up to, I think, I'm pretty sure it's ten. So you can set, like, if you drop below 30% health, heal yourself. <laughs> if you get poisoned... Don't be poisoned anymore. Cure yourself. <laughs> if if the enemy does this, cast this. Like, I it astounds me that like 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 I was, like if I'm playing like Nino Cooney, like you have no control over them apart from to make them block occasionally, and they just do annoying things. You're like, why are you casting water spells on the water thing? Stop it. <laughs> it's not effective. And, yeah, Final Fantasy Twelve is. Uh, I I don't know why people uh, don't like it as much as they should. The Fallout 4 companions if standing in a doorway. Move! 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 Yeah, I, You're in the doorway. It, it's like it's the perfect system for controlling a, a, a party when you don't have immediate control of them all the time because it's semi real time. All the commands have, all you, you have like a, an action bar, and when that fills up, you can do things basically. And it, it, mm. So everything's all dependent on that happening. So you can run around and move around at the same time. So you can. It, yeah. If you know, if you guys seen, so you know how in Final Fantasy Thirteen you had an action bar where you could just do commands and it could sort of automate it. Well, Final Fantasy Twelve does sort of does that, but in an extent where you can just plan a battle by setting what people are going to do at any given time. It, yeah, Final Fantasy Twelve also had a really great thing where you could just sort of like just leave it on and let the party just sort of because you can set it to your own character as well, so they'll just do things automatically i remember at school where you just sort of like you just leave it on and they'd run around and they'd sort of like kill stuff and heal up and stuff and you just come back from school and go oh i've got loads of levels i can now go and continue with the story <laughs> um but yeah no it's really it's it's the only game i can ever i ever think of that has nailed party combat to an extent where it makes it your teammates not really irritating. Like in Final Fantasy XV, number of times my part, my teammates have been irritating is just like you're in the way. You move. <laughs> Why the ma- heal yourself? Teammates aren't actually that bad. Uh, oh no, it's a, a it's fairly competent at times. <laughs> okay, well, like, I guess yeah, still getting the way doors, but in in combat they're fairly competent. They are actually, like, yeah. To be fair, I suppose, but like, this... they, they use their powers at the right time. And yeah, it's not the thing. same thing from in like. 12 where everything has like an elemental weakness or they'll, and they'll cast like any like one of six different debuffs on you that then you have to react to if you can just set like to, them to automatically do things like that if you know what boss you're going up against then you know kind of sort of what they're going to be like you know sort of maybe they're weak to lightning so you get them whenever they have enough mp they cast lightning attacks or that's pretty cool but yeah anyway it's a really good uh JRPG, uh, I think that more people should play it. Um, no. And never, you, forgot <laughs> you might never, actually like this one. Never, you forgot to mention the most important fact. It's a game where what? you can eat pizza and not have to do anything while watching the screen. I suppose that is true. Yeah, uh, it's got a really good story to it. It's one of the. It's a really good story, and the it's a combat system that's that's completely unlike anything you'll have ever played before. It's so different from any other Final Fantasy game and any other RPG. It's and it's sort of semi-open world as well. So it was ahead of its time. Twelve. 
stand by that. <laughs> anyway, let's do a quiz. Because uh, unless you have anything you want to ask me about 12 or say about 12. Nope. No. no. Cool. Right. Let's let's quiz. Right. Quick question. We've already established how, how much I know about The Witcher. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm on George's boat here. I know a little bit, but not much. You've not played The Witcher 3, Harris? Yeah, I can play a little bit, but then I refunded it because my computer didn't run it well. No, uh, fair enough. Like literally, I'd get playing. in, I'd get in, right, and like I think yeah. I was running at like five frames per second or something, and I tried, I tried that opening intro against the, you know, the beasts or whatever, and uh, his FPS killed it for me a bit. But I played Witcher two and one as well, so. Fair enough. I've been playing it on my PS4 rather than my PC anyway. It just just feels easier than having yeah. to like tinker with my computer. Uh, anyway, um, have you guys ever played Play Your Cards Right? No. Right. No. Do you know what it is? No. No. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> right, you know in a pub sometimes you'll have someone come around and they'll have like a pack of cards and you basically guess higher or lower than the previous cards that they've said. And then you get I don't to think the end anyone's ever come up to you with a pack of cards in a pub before. <laughs> Never had that happen. It must be, a, maybe it's a... Well, like a, str- like a stranger approach me in a pub with a pack of cards. <laughs> no, no, like someone who, like, like someone from the... From... Well, <laughs> maybe it's a northern thing, right? It happens in pubs. <laughs> like, not Some like a stranger. Someone who works in the pub is what I meant to say, but like, not just like a random. Right. But yeah, no, you never had that, right? Okay, fair enough. No, I've no, like, no one's ever approached me in a pub with a pack of cards. You've never had, mean... had it being played in a pub where like someone who works in the pub will play. No, fair enough. Maybe it's maybe it's a northern thing, and that's. That's on me, that is. But, okay, what I'm going to say <laughs> is I'm going to give you uh, the name of some trophies that I've gotten from the PlayStation 4 version of The Witcher 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to guess whether it's higher or lower than the one I've said before. So okay. I'll give you the baseline, which is Let's Cook, which is Learn 12 Potions, which is 59%. So 59% of people have learned 12 potions in The Witcher 3. The next yep, one I'm going to tell okay. you, you have to guess, is it going to be higher or lower? Yeah. And then there'll be a winner at rent. How many have I got? I have, I have, I have seven of them. So we'll be able to see who can be crowned the champion of this feature that I haven't named. Um, so yes. Uh, so care more and trained, higher or lower than fifty nine percent? What do you think? Can, do we get do we get to confer? Well, you can either be work as a team or try and beat each other. But you can confer. Okay, yeah, I'm not going to make you. Can I, uh, boring. Can, we, can I get that name things. again? Caremorhen train. So Caremorhen is the place where the Witcher school is that Geralt's from. See, I had completely. I was thinking like you had trained a person or animal called Caremorhen. So no. I was already off on the wrong foot. Oh, I'm, uh, well, I mean, I imagine the Witcher's already trained. I mean, he's quite old. So it's a higher, I know probably. that he's he's trained in the Witcher too. Hmm. I'm so, going higher, yeah. I would say higher. So you've both gone higher. You were both wrong. It is in fact lower at 4.7%. Because it's actually for doing 10 counterattacks in a row. Which oh. I don't understand why that's so low. But yeah, counterattacks in The Witch 3 is pretty much you press the block button when just before someone is going to hit you. And then you do a counterattack. You, know, you punch them in the face and then you can. They sort of staggered for a bit. But yeah, apparently that's really low. 
to be fair, you'll, you'll, some of these, like the the curve on The Witcher Three, is odd. Like for the people who've done sort of some things a lot, but uh, stuff like that is just very low. But anyway, next one: Armed and Dangerous, higher or lower than four point seven percent. I imagine most people have weapons, and I'm going higher. I'd, I'd say um, Armed and Dangerous. They're gonna have a whole host of weapons, so or training, so. I'm going to go lower, actually. I'm going to go the opposite of what I think. I'm guessing it's like if you have just a, an X number of weapons, or like, or if you get every weapon type or something. Something to do with infantry, infantry. acquisitions. So you're going higher, George, and you're going lower, yeah. Harrison. Yeah, that's correct. It is, in fact, higher. This is for getting a full set of Witcher gear. So in The Witch 3, there's a bunch of sort of... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? So there are uh, equips that give you a buff for having however many of them equipped at a certain time. And there are three of them, and then one DLC one. But yeah, apparently only 18.9% of people have ever had a full set of these, which you get relatively early on. So I was, are they usually the best equipment for your level? Whenever, well, because you, you level them up as well. Weird. Uh, especially considering the next one. Uh, Globetrotter, higher or lower than 18.9%. Higher. Oh, yeah. You both say higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's my final answer. You are both correct. So this is for getting yes! fast travel points. So, yeah, you'd think that because 100 fast travel points, that's roughly sort of at least halfway through the game. You'd thought that, so, that they'd at least gotten some Witcher gear by that point, but apparently people have ploughed through it. So yeah. Okay, next one. Lilac and gooseberries. Higher or lower than 33.1%? Oh, I'm going to go lower. I'm going to go higher. Obscure. So it is in fact higher. So this is when you find uh, Yennefer, which is like the first thing you do pretty much. Which is at 80.5%. Which is really high. Because I've played games where the achievement that you get for doing like the first five minutes like half the people who've played the game have got it um so that's quite a good percentage of people who have done sort of the first little bit of the game because you have to, to, to do be... like a little tutorial mission and fight a griffin in order to get to it but i'd say that's within the first hour or two 20 percent of people don't do that i always look at these and go why do people buy this game and then just not play it to be fair, though, Yennefer's not bad-looking, though. She's pretty hot, though. <laughs> she does the, the cutscene where she went just uh, where she's, like, beating up an army. It's pretty cool. Right at the beginning of the game. Sounds quite impressive. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So, at the moment, you're neck and neck. We've got three more. Who's going to win? Okay, I, see, I wasn't keeping score, and I was I was just just thinking, should I have been keeping score? But oh, yeah, I'm bad. keeping score. Glad Don't someone worry. else. Yeah, it's my quiz. It's something right that I should have to keep score. <laughs> Pick a bit, bit shit. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm just doing all these questions and not recorded who answered what. <laughs> Expecting one of you two to do it anyway. Um, Fast and Furious, higher or lower than eighty point five percent? What was the percentage uh, again, Nevi? Uh, eighty point five. So I assume you know, like if the like, I imagine the peak will be eighty point something. If that's just Play, like start the game basically. I'll so go. I'll go higher. 
going higher. Yeah. You're going lower than George. Yeah, I mean, like how? Because if if the peak of people just starting the game is eighty percent, then it's not really yeah, going to get higher. You are you are indeed correct. So this was ten point three, and this was for winning all the horse races in The Witcher Three, which are worth doing. But when you guys play it eventually, they're worth doing because you get lots of cool stuff for Roach, like uh, saddle and bags and stuff, so that you can hold more things. But yeah, only ten point three people have done. I think there's like twelve races, so. 10.3 people. Yeah, 10.3 10. people. <laughs> no, 10.3 percent of people. <laughs> 10.3 people. 10. Yeah, a third of a person. Just an arm. Just an arm did it. <laughs> Didn't even need the other arm. Uh, uh, number seven. So, card collector. Higher or lower than 10.3 percent? Higher. Higher? Because a lot of people like Gwent. 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 And yeah. I have heard Gwent is very popular. It's very popular. So you've both gone higher? Yeah. Yes. You were both wrong. It is in what? fact lower. 2.4%. Lower? This is for collecting all of the Gwent cards though, so people might have liked uh, it and just not collected it, done, yeah, collected literally every single one. So yeah, 2.4%. Not many people collected every single card. Did you collect, how many did you collect, Nevi, Gwent? Uh, I didn't collect them all when I first played through it. I'm playing it at the moment now, and I'm I, I'm playing it through on uh, on Death March, and I I'm I'm hoping that I've so far I've won quite a lot of them. I feel like I've got a much better deck this time than I did last time I was playing it. So I might try and go for them all. Become one of the two point four, <laughs> Fable two point four. Um. So anyway, <laughs> the final one, and at the moment. George is in the lead, so walk the path higher or lower than 2.4%. What's that, walk the path? Walk the path. The path. Uh, I'm going to go lower. I'm going to go reason that I think you're going to throw us a curveball and be like, couldn't possibly go lower than 2.4%. <laughs> and you got... you're going to sneak in like a like a 1.1%, so I'm going to go lower. <laughs> <laughs> You're going higher, Harrison. I'm going to play the meta game. I'm going to go higher. Yeah, George has got me got me pegged to a T there. Yes, it's two point three percent. This is okay. the for, for, for finishing the game on death march mode, and that is what I'm I'm trying to do. I'm trying to I'm playing it through that, so I will become at least part of the two point three, even <laughs> if I don't make the two point four. <laughs> so yeah, so George won by two points there. Nice job, George. Terrible to begin with, guys, but you, you you pulled it back towards the end, getting some of them. But yeah, what what do I win? <laughs> you win. Uh... More to the point, what do you win when someone comes up to you and does this in a pub? Oh, in you the usually north? win like a tenner or something. You win some money. You usually hey, pay so a they pound. Just give you money then... in pubs in the north. <laughs> well, no, you win the game. Obviously, you have to get like I think it's like ten in a row, right? Of getting higher or lower, so. Yeah, then you pay a pound usually, and then you can win a tenner if you get ten in a row, right? Some higher or lower. No one's ever done that. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm fascinated. That sounds really interesting. And now I'm just more miffed at pubs in the south. Not only is it a fiver for a pint in London, no one's ever come up to me and gone higher or lower. <laughs> George, you've got a chance to win money. You've got to start the tradition, George. Yeah, well, if you ever ever up north, ever near Leeds, um, I'll take you. The bubble will play. We'll play something you can't write. 
uh, lose because I've never seen anyone win. To be fair. Uh, but so yeah, because yeah, yeah. I've played higher or lower, but just as a drinking game with, with mm. no prospect of winning money. No. So yeah, you go. We're missing out all these years. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what you win. Um, uh, admiration. There you go. It's its value is high. Ad- it is what I'm going to say. Uh, but yeah, it, whenever because I I like to look at the even if I don't really care about getting the the actual trophies, I always like to look at the percentage of people who actually get some of them so. yeah no it's, it is really interesting so it's really annoying it when you spend i so i spent ages trying to get a really low like like a exclusive achievement on on payday mm. and then loads and then i got it and then lots of people got it and i was like oh, i don't really care anymore <laughs> it was really disappointing i felt special for all of two days <laughs> and, then, and then it like jumped jumped up a whole percent because it went from being like 1.1 percent to like Two point something. I was like, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Because um, Steam have them, don't they? As well, they have the. Uh... Yeah, they, uh, they they track it. There you go. See, I could I could that to just do PlayStation games anymore. Do some of those. Well, on yeah, well, yeah, we could because on, on on your profile it tells you you can set it so it, uh, to showcase your like the the, the rarest most ones. exclusive yeah, no. achievements. So. Yeah, I have that set at the top of mine because I always think it's interesting. At the moment. Oh, what have you guys got for yours? This could be semi-interesting. Half of mine are endless legends, which 0.24 percent of players have. That is pretty low for for killing floor. Don't, not, not sure it's for, but Uh, my my, literally my lowest one is from endless legend, which is IP piracy, and I think that's probably just because not many people got that expansion, and it's just for stealing technology. Oh yeah, in a legend. I've I've got that same one. Four of mine from that are from that same this same thing of. Uh, I've got Bioshock it. Infinite Roper Dope, which I'm going to find out what it does. <laughs> Roper Dope uh, in CITC, uh, something in the clouds, which I think was a DLC. Clouds knocked yeah. an enemy off the city with undertow, then rescued him, then knocked him off again. Wow, there you go. that's pretty cool, man. <laughs> so you killed him, then rescued him, then killed him again. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what's the okay? What's the highest one that you have on the six achievements? The highest one is yeah. uh, Leisure Suites from City Skylines, which I think is for having a lot of leisure. <laughs> well, I mean, what's what's the what's the what's the percentage? Oh, two percent. Okay, yeah, my mind's also two percent. I think yeah. that's the real test: is your like would be measuring your highest of the six? Because then, if you've got a really low. I think my Mine's lowest one. is one percent. Although it doesn't say any point, it just says one percent by when I hover over it. But my most interesting one is from from Magica, which is Swedish summer achievement for making it rain a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the only interesting one. The rest of them are just uh, ones from expansions that not many people have gotten. Apparently, yeah, that's, mine were less interesting than I thought they might be. Uh, so yeah, but I always find it interesting to look at the percentage, especially the ones that are like near the beginning of a game, where you're like, not many people have got that, especially yeah. on PlayStation where it sort of automatically updates and connects. You wouldn't imagine many people don't have their PlayStation connected to the internet, whereas I can sort of imagine that um, like Steam isn't always connected, and I know it doesn't always update because I've had it before where it's like my like my Bastion 
I played that almost exclusively offline and then it sort of spottily updated the achievements for it. Um, well, it's like 80, yeah, it 83% of people that have Skyrim on, on Steam co- completed Unbound, which I'm pretty sure is just complete the intro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess it's because so many people own it but have never played it. Yeah, it's just weird. I just, yeah. I, to be fair, I, I can't imagine that happening. I've got plenty of games that I've not really ever played, so... Yeah. Well, what's <laughs> is that it's, it's a, there's a 10% drop between Unbound, which is the first mission where you like walk out into Skyrim, and then the, the second most achieved achievement is Blessed, where you have to select a standing stone, which is like a sort of perk boost thing. Yeah, yeah. But they ask, there's like, it's like a 10 meter walk from it's not even that finishing far. that mission to <laughs> I love sit, like, the standing stones, but 10% of people did not. <laughs> Um, like did not did not go there. So Basically, bad. too lazy. As soon as I got that, like finish the first mission and just quit the game. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, in The Witcher Three, like I think Lilac and Gooseberries is the highest one, and that's not bad actually because that that requires about an hour and a half or so of play. At, I say at the least, you'd stretch it out to quite a lot more than that if you wanted to explore a bit. But that's quite good. Is eighty point five percent? I was quite surprised by the twelve potions one because. I that was the first achievement I got on The Witcher Three, uh, so uh, yeah, learning twelve potions. That's basically you just get those from looting things usually, and they just appear sort of semi organically. So I'm surprised that only sixty percent of people have that. But anyway, um, yeah, I might do another one of those again in the future for yeah, something that, that I'm playing. It just piques my interest. Um, feel free, guys, to write one in. And bring it on some weeks. Uh, yeah, well, I will. Even uh, buy it from Steam or something. Um... Hello. Yeah, still here. Just very, <laughs> very quiet. Yeah, so. Yeah, so I want to pause. I guess we should probably sign off. Yeah, I was just saying. Yeah. That's safe. Should we? Uh, <laughs> should we wrap up? Um, yeah. Just cut. Just cut to silence. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just um, uh, you say that, but I've got to edit this bloody thing. <laughs> anyway, right. Thank you for listening um, to our semi-rambly podcast this this week. I think it's because we've not done it for a while. Um, it's our first one in 2017, I think. It is, it is. We've but not been... to fear, the battery cast will be ne- back next week. <laughs> exactly. So bring your screwdrivers and we'll <laughs> tell you your measurements. Sounded oddly sexual the way I said that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening to the Gamer Time Podcast. We, if you have founders randomly on the internet uh, without the website attached, you can find us at gamertime.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at gamertimeuk. You can follow me personally at NevadaHM. And you guys are. Uh, at scruffy looking, or at underscore scruffy looking, capital S, capital L. Yeah, I'm Harrison. Uh... Work in progress still. I'm yeah, work in progress. Don't have one of those <laughs> fancy tag things. But uh, I'm just on the Game of Time website as well. And uh, Facebook is just my name, uh, Harrison Ware, if you want to get in contact with me. Awesome. Right. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye. I was really ready for the goodbye. I was just like... I, I don't know. I just, just couldn't. I could, couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't commit to it. I was just like, I don't. I don't know. Don't know what to go for. So I was just like, I'll just stay silent. <laughs>
it's more mysterious. Hold. 